and welcome back for another episode of AlphaCast. My name's Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from the Smith River in the great state of Jefferson on the border of California and Oregon. It's a beautiful fall day. Uh, and we couldn't be happier. Harvest kicking in on the Jaugulan, and we're still buzzing off last weekend's Music and Sky event. We have lots coming from that, including merch, including uh, the Reunion Summit we're working on, and just so much. And we just want to say thanks again for everybody who came out to that. And good news, we will be doing a monthly Music and Sky event um, pop-up with speaker, music, art, in-person, masks if you want we prefer not to hugging in person hanging out being normal pretty awesome so music and sky is going to be happening every month if you are interested if you miss the event in joshua tree and you want to come hang you know where to find us telegram t.me forward slash alphavedic or discord alphavedic.com forward slash discord will route you into the private community this is a private curated event space which it's fully inclusive but we have to keep it private and secure to keep those keep those mask holes away so that being said marty Leeds is in the house oh and we got killer merch guys if you want to support alpha vedic we've got like our lumen hat we've got our electric universe hat um we're really really kind of converting more over into a lifestyle brand we're going to have a lot of fun exciting merch that we will be shipping internationally too so please go to alphabetic.com Grab yourself an Illumin hat. Grab yourself an Electric Universe hat. We got uh, some great teas coming, more coming. So check that out, alphabetic.com. Marty Leeds in the house. Uh, Marty Leeds is an accomplished author, mathematician, musician, and genuine seeker of truth. Marty explains his role as a teacher of the mysteries and a preacher of the heart. To quote Marty, I teach about many different schools of thought. And I cover many different subjects and topics, but ultimately my main focus is that of sharing and teaching what I have come to learn about Gnostic Christianity, the mathematics, symbolism, astrology, and sheer mysticism that is encoded within the Holy Bible. And moreover, how those encodings withhold a sacred science of apotheosis. We followed Marty since his initial work, Pi and the English Alphabet and Pi the Great Work, and have been great fans ever since. Take our word for it. You're stoked you're watching this right now. You're listening to this or wherever you are because Marty is the man. How's it going, Dr. Bear Lando? Hey, doing great. Doing great. Uh, Marty, uh, welcome. Thanks for being here. So awesome to see you. Big fans of yours, as Mike uh, has told you. And uh, great to see a little Hawaiian scenery back there. I spent a good portion of my life in the island, so it's always great to get a nice aloha contact high. And uh, you're radiating it now as we speak. So uh, good to see you here, my friend. <laughs> Horace is behind me. Awesome. So, yeah, hey, um, rising. you know, I got my, uh, uh, I cut my teeth on Marty Leeds here with his, uh, uh, this book here. I don't know, when was that? In about 2012 or something? That's the first edition. Um, Hi, the alphabet, uh, part one. And, and then couldn't wait for the sequel to come out, part two. Nice. And, uh, and then the great work, Pi, the great work. Uh, oh, awesome, awesome. He doesn't even have a copy What's of that? that? I don't even have a copy of that book. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. So, uh, you, you know, and I had to advise everyone, go to MartyLeads33.com. Uh, Did I get that right? 
Uh, yep. I've been a member of your site for uh, a few years and uh, boy, enjoy every bit of it. Love your music, love your, um, you know, just your authorship and everything you bring to the table. So this is uh, a big deal to have you here. And, uh, you know, it's really good too. I'm looking forward to this conversation because it gives me a little break. You know, I've been on a lot of interviews in other venues, uh, you know, they uh, have me on because of my history in bioterrain medicine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, where they're, they want to still keep the argument going about uh, bugs and if they really cause disease and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, a long time ago, you know, bioterrain medicine to me elevated to the electromagnetic level. And uh, that's the way I approach things rather than microbes on the ground. Uh, you know, we're looking at the electrical vectors and the things that are, uh, you know, familiar to people that understand the hermetic principles and, and that sort of thing, you know, so that's where I think medicine should go. And the reason why I've always loved your work, Marty, is, uh, you know, you are uh, a numbers master and you also understand that numbers have a resonance. And actually in my work, we take instruments and other techniques where we measure the resonance of numbers and actually use them therapeutically. We use them in agriculture. We use them to balance out your house, uh, all sorts of good things. So, you know, uh, if you'd like to dive into any of that subject matter or, or anything you care about, you know, we're completely open here. Or if you, if you just want to have a conversation about all the, the crazy shit going on in the world right now, we can do that too. So... So good to have you here. Really Thank good. You. Thank you so much. That was a very heartfelt and warm welcome. And uh, yeah, I appreciate being here, by the way. And I'm glad you got the books and stuff like that. Somebody mentions here, says, Doc Brown and Marty McFly love it. And I'm guessing that you are supposed to be Doc Brown in this scenario, and I'm Marty McFly. <laughs> and we will be going to 88 today, ladies and germs. Okay, so there's Nice. That. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, first off, let's start with numbers. What, what are they? Like, so... The one th one thing after studying years and years and years was coming to this question, what the hell is math? What is numbers? What is geometry? Where does it come from? You know, that whole thing. That hardly is ever questioned. Lots of people study math, but they don't really get to the philosophical ends, right, of, of what math itself is. When you actually start studying it, especially look into, looking into uh, the mystical angle, metaphysical, esoteric angle, that sort of thing, there's a high focus on math, sacred geometry, and that sort of thing. And what they'll, what the conclusion that you'll come to, and this will be a, this is just the conclusion you have to come to. There's no, this is truth beyond truth, and it's that math is a metaphysical language, that numbers themselves are in in one essence alive, or their their principles, their qualities, their attributes of the creation itself, of nature itself. And so this, by by focusing on numbers, what you're literally looking at is the intelligence beyond behind nature. And there's not a single science, not a single one, correct me if I'm wrong, I always say this, but um, there's not a single science you can do that you don't have to utilize math, not one. It doesn't matter if I, like I work at a vet, before I even go to go to the, you know, to weigh the dog, you have to tear out the scale, you have to zero it out. It's the first thing. So now you're, the first thing you're doing is working with what? Zero, nothing. Then the whole thing is determined on that. How much are you going to give that dog? You're going to measure out the drug that you're going to give the dog, or whatever. And then it's based on the weight, which is all measurement. Doesn't matter what science you go to, it's all based on numbers. So my question was, yeah, what are these things? Where do they come from? What you start to realize is numbers, geometry. Number, I mean, geometry is essentially um, spatial numbers, if you will. Numbers put into space, if you will, with the geometry. But numbers in geometry are a metaphysical language. They're beyond the physical. They don't change. 
they always have a stasis. They're never, they, oh, the attributes are always good. What they're going to be primes, always going to be a prime non primes, you know, that sort of thing. You get into this and you realize, well, where did that come from? What is all that? How is it that you have all of these different numbers that go into infinity? They each have their own particular qualities and attributes and they have different divisors and they're either a prime or non prime or not, or an even blah, 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 blah. Where the hell does all of that come from? Well, then it gets you right to the heart of what every polymath would, I think, would agree with me in saying, or I should say, I agree with them in saying, God, it's as simple as that. There's a creator. There's an intelligent force behind nature. It works within nature. Mankind can come to understand it through its language. And that's math. So it's very nice to hear you say, as somebody that's like dealing with health and things like that, working with numbers in a way of like resonance and vibration and things like that, because that's just one attribute of the power of those numbers. There's form, right? There's once again, quality attributes, all the things, but there's also form, there's resonance, there's harmony between those numbers. All of those come into play when we look at numbers. So we're taught numbers, sorry, I don't mean to rant here, but we're taught numbers in this very cold, dry, sort of way. It's just sort of dead, lifeless. It's just equations and shit. But when you get into the really meat and potatoes of it, it's like, no, it's, they're alive, you know? So yeah. Maybe that's you know, a good I, uh, <laughs> No, that, that's an awesome, great start. So, um, you know, I got hooked uh, a while back, a few years back on biogeometry. You know, I was involved in radiesthesia and other ways where you can tune in and accurately measure the, you know, the resonance of, um, of uh, things, let's say, above the um, the physical level, and especially above the uh, above the electronic level that we use in all our electronics, which is really toxic vertical waves, you know, we call them. And uh, what really hooked me in on it is, um, you know, uh, from the start, I was told that they discovered the resonance frequency of the golden mean, you know, one point six. Mm -hmm. And so if you take the center of any geometric form or if you go out in nature and, and take measurements, you know, uh, of things in nature that are untampered, you get this uh, very accurate reading of that particular residence, which is a combination of three bandwidths, which is actually a golden radiance. And now when you go ahead and measure 1.6, the actual numerical value separate from, you know, uh, nature's counterparts out there, it gives you the same exact frequency reading. So, uh, you know, right then I, you know, there are things that I already kind of knew from past studies and, and, you know, hermetic sciences and things, but this was the first time it's like, wow, I could actually measure it. This number has the same frequency as say a conch shell or, or a leaf out in my farm there, or, you know, all nature's uh, natural processes when they're left untampered. So, um, yeah, so I, I realized then, oh yeah, it's not just make-believe. Uh, these numbers really have a resonance that uh, is congruous with all of nature and creation. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no woo-woo about it. I mean, people can get woo-woo about it, and lots of people do. There's lots of people that are, you know, frauds, and they get all like, oh, this is what this means. But you, when, when you get into places like what you're talking about here, it's like, no, 1.618, the golden mean, golden ratio, the, the point is of like, uh, you know, once again, numbers are metaphysical, right? They're for, um, of a creator. Well, how is it that you can find this exact same ratio that's easily measured in inanimate and animate objects? Well, once again, that's, that shows that there's something that's beyond even movement, if you will, that's, be, that's you know, underpinning the whole thing. And then once again, when you find this, 
not only are these all these ancient temples, almost all of them using, utilizing 1.618, but then you go from, from there all the way down to, you know, like all the way plants, animals, everything through down to your hand and your entire body is built with this. That's a signature of intelligence, clearly, you know, and how, how I don't know how else you could view it as, you know, it's just a random thing that nature came to, well, in animate and inanimate forms, that doesn't even make any sense. You could maybe make some case for like, oh, evolutionarily, it just kind of fumble stummed its way there. But then when you realize that such a perfect ratio is actually encoded in geometry, then now you have, it's just too much. You have too many links to say that, look, there's intelligence behind this thing. The one thing I always get with people that want to blow stuff like this off to is just like, wow, it's just a pareidolia or apophenia, right? It's just this, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, well, um, you are saying, and, and then saying, well, nature is an intelligence. Like, okay, well, you're using your own intelligence to look at the nature from which you were born and say it's unintelligent. Well, that's a complete paradox. That doesn't make, that's an intellectual non sequitur if I've ever heard one. So this goes beyond that and says, you can prove there's intelligence in nature. The same thing that makes that plant unfold like this is the same thing that proportions your hand and your arm. So, you know. The interesting thing that most people don't know is all of this stuff is actually found in religious texts too, scripture, that sort of thing. So, nearly yeah, it, everybody it, doesn't know that. <laughs> so, there's that. It, it it's also on uh, cave drawings and you know hieroglyphics on the you know inside the pyramids, and you can measure those two dimensional drawings, those etchings on the wall, and they'll give up the same exact frequency. And the same things that have been discovered in biogeometry, uh, you know, verify that, wow, they had this down to a very exact science. And uh, so now what we consider science, of course, is kind of extracted, uh, you know, all the hermetic principles, uh, you know, what I consider alchemy, which is also real science as far as I'm concerned, not the stuff that I was forced to regurgitate in medical school. I mean, that had you know, limited value, but it was mostly just to send you down a particular road so you could be a gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, now we realize that these people in these uh, past civilizations were much more in advance in understanding resonance and these basic principles upon which everything in the universe is built upon in the first place. Mm -hmm. And the thing about like the, the science discussion too, is that, you know, the, the gold mean golden ratio, 1.618, that whole thing has always been known as the, the ratio or proportion of beauty. Okay. Well, that's a mathematical thing, all based on geometry and math, which means that it doesn't matter what culture, what civilization, where you came from, where you're going, what language you spoke, what God you believed in, whether you didn't believe or didn't believe in God, that proportion would be there for anybody that wanted to find it, period. And then to know that that proportion is based on essentially beauty, you know, um, is, you know, it's, that, that's a, I don't know, that's a message in, in nature, if you will. There's that there is resonance and harmony there and anyone can find it. And so the fact that when you see actual science, science is, of course, a method of investigation. It's verifiability, repeatability and demonstrability. That's all science is. Science isn't some fucking edifice, some monolithic thing over here. It's like, oh, science is doing this thing, you know, it's like, no. If you make a claim, I've got to be able to repeat that, period. Well, 1.618, I can repeat by looking here or here or here or over here or on my wife over here, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know. Uh, COVID-19, can you verify that claim? Can you repeat that? No. So quit telling me you're doing science. But the science is settled, Marty. The science is settled. 
Well, <laughs> all flows. This, you know, talk uh, about paradox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing. And a lot of people are waking the, up. This, thing, so. Yeah. This Friday, I'm on an interview with uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman. I know he's been on oh, the show. A, Great well, guy. I, yeah, you can't trust him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, him and well, I, you know, he's... he's He's got the great, uh, you know, information done and the ability to articulate all the research and, and kind of show the incongruities in it. Meanwhile, I had a lifetime in bioterrain medicine where I'm just like a farmer on the ground. I just find out what works and what's real. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're going to combine and, and uh, be on a little panel and we're going to be questioned by a gentleman from, uh, what is it, Skeptico, Mike? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, that'll that'll be great fun. You know, this guy's gonna really try to grill us and and prove that we're wrong. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. That's good. Hopefully, it'll be a friendly debate. Usually, it's, they don't end too friendly. Uh, I don't. I've never seen Dr. Andrew Kaufman like get heated at all. So I'm right there. I think is you're probably good. You know? He's got cool comic black. He's just like mm, I'm gonna cut right through. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Alex. Uh, yeah. I always butcher his name. Uh, Tiscaris, I believe, the Skeptico, um, and it's going to be on Matt Belair's channel. So it'll be, yeah, it's uh, it'll be a good one. I think we're really going to just kind of nip this whole COVID nineteen thing in the bud here with this one. So uh, and so we can just move on already. But yeah, it should be yeah. a great show. That'll be this Friday, guys. So there's a lot of arguments right now, and I was just talking to somebody yesterday, uh, Wolves and Sheeple, and we were, and he was saying that a lot of people are arguing whether oh, it's like whether this is contagious disease or, you know, terrain theory, this, and everyone's having that argument right now. Where do, where do you sit with, with the whole thing? Cause a lot of people are even questioning contagious diseases, of course, germ theory. What's your, what's your take on. So uh, Marty, you know, I had my regular conventional training and I spent a few years in emergency medical services. And then I just, cause I was an old, uh, retired jock i you know always was more interested in how the body works because i was still in the training and martial arts and all that sort of thing so uh, i elected to attend naturopathic college for your uh, naturopathic college learn oriental medicine all that kind of stuff then went to chiropractic college anyway the point of the story is uh, i just wanted to know how things work now in the process i was in the pioneering circles of clinical kinesiology and some prominent german medics came over to learn from us because they were understanding we were making new inroads into another level of neurology and they happened to be the old old school bioterrain specialist uh, that you know were uh, furthering the principles of Bastier and the folks uh, enderline uh, gaston nasons who i actually studied with um, that understood that uh, microbes were our friendly kind of symbionts within our internal ecosystem, just like they are in the external ecosystem there if something needs to be cleaned up on the forest floor and so forth. Now, microbes only become problematic when we get so out of balance ourselves that then they start, um, uh, uh, the environment gets conducive to harboring more advanced stages of these cyclic forms that if they stay there, overstay their welcome on that level, then they can actually become problematic. But it's not because they're pathogenic. It's because they're responding just like somebody growing up in the hood, you know. They have to, uh, you know, adjust to their environment, become a little streetwise, but that's not always the best thing for our health. So in bioterrain medicine, we understood that they weren't the bad guys. Nature does not create pathogens as far as my experience tells me. That's like 
40 years of seeing thousands of cases of people with terminal illnesses, a good deal getting better when you manage to train rather than microbes or diseases. So yeah, I'm a big proponent of the biotrain theory. And uh, the only exception I'd say to that is they're doing some crazy shit in some labs these days in order to conjugate, uh, you know, different kinds of DNA and microbial, um, you know, forms with human cells and, and all sorts of Frankenstein kind of things. And then figuring out how to inject those into our bodies with ticks and mosquitoes and vaccines. So, yeah, I think you can concoct some pretty nasty stuff. We know that you know, what they think of as AIDS, it was uh, a byproduct of HIV, which is absolutely not true. They figured out how to create the symptoms of AIDS and then put it in vaccines, give it to the people in villages in East Africa. You know, okay, yeah, it worked. Now you come and hit the gay populations with vaccines for hep B. Yeah, they all get sick. So yeah, they're, they're, they're manufacturing a lot of stuff, but nature does not create disease as far as I'm concerned. It does not create pathogens. And, you know, we've done a lot of work on our, uh, you know, format just to try to lay that out. So I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, you know, you always manage to train and understand nature's um, uh, principles. And in fact, bioterrain medicine, when you really practice it at its highest level, it uh, conforms exactly to the seven pr principles of uh, hermetic, uh, well, the seven hermetic principles. So, um, you know, there's just, and, and if you study people like uh, Walter Russell, who, who, who uh, furthered waveform uh, physics and geometry to uh, a very refined level, you know, again, it conforms to the seven hermetic principles. So none of this stuff is new. We're just figuring out how to apply it to our situation today and then use it to ferret out the truth with all the garbage we've been taught. Yeah. I, I just I just think it's amazing that no matter, well, I mean, not amazing, we know it's an agenda or whatever, but when they talk about health, the only thing they're talking about is vaccination. That's it. You know, and you know, it's yeah. wild, Marty is, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's wild is 2015 in this, in the <laughs> church of scientism, they finally broke down what is supposedly in an influenza virus. They call the virions, which mm -hmm. are actually inherently in the host. So the base, base particulates that are within the, virus, the virions they call, which are the, the small protein structures and stuff, are actually only found in the host, which supports bioterrain theory. And this was a 2015 study where they're finally starting to break that down. And I can share that in the NCBI or whatever study. So the Church of Scientism, and, and they even say in this, they're pleomorphic in nature, which just means that they're shifting and changing according to the terrain. So they're backing up what Beauchamp was saying, Beauchamp was saying in the 1800s, finally in 2015 in the mainline studies. Meanwhile, they've been pushing vaccines, as you're saying, for hundreds of years since Jenner days when he was like, you know, his poor kid died. So, you know, it's, it's literally Catholicism. It's the church of scientism, which is based on superstition. That is what, as you said, that the idea of what science is, it's this edifice, it's this it's this institution. It is literally the Catholic Church of the modern era. The lab coats are the are the priests, and and it's just wild to me as well that it's all about vaccines when there's clearly the, their own documentation is showing that it's inherent within us. It's not coming from an external thing, unless it's a vaccine. And I will continue to say vaccines are the number one cause of disease in the 20th and 21st century. 
Jennifer, what were you cooking up this morning? She had a, she had a big cauldron going. I think she was putting some formaldehyde and some mercury and then aluminum <laughs> and then instant baby parts. I forget what it Witches was. Witches brew. Stirring that up and then you're going to put it in a, and then jab it into me for my health, right? Was that what it was? <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I guess we, that's the yeah, for- world that we live in, right? So that's, anyway. Yeah, formaldehyde, the natural cause of Ebola. Uh, Marty, I want to hear your response <laughs> real quick. I didn't say anything about virus, uh, but we could have a huge discussion on that. You know, viruses mm. are the most mythical creatures in of all of all microbiology. And, uh, you know, one of the tests that I did routinely in my career days is um, I would measure cell debris and then those, uh, and I won't get totally into it, but those cell particles that were a product of a rapidly deteriorating bioterrain, then they would uh, conjugate with cells, you know, behave much like what we think of as um you know, what we're taught viruses are, but then what they would do, they would trigger responses in the body that would create surfactants and things that would help cleanse the body. So again, even what we kind of confuse with virus is actually a natural mechanism. And then you have other things I believe that were, uh, you know, confused or maybe used to justify viruses or their existence, which are, you know, endosomes and exosomes and the things that, you know, Dr. Kaufman talks a lot about. So uh, please, anything you have to respond. uh, no, oh, yeah, just Dr. Dr. Fallon was saying the same thing. It's just like finding viruses because you're sick is no different than finding firemen at a fire. Just because the firemen mm-hmm. are there doesn't mean firemen cause <laughs> fire. Yes. You know what I mean? That's I mean, yeah. and there's been no uh, you know, what pathological, it's not pathological, but you know, pathology to, you know, secure that the because the viruses are there, that's why you're sick. So the uh, the entire argument right there is still questionable. And yet they're saying, well, science is confirmed. I don't know, it's interesting because lots of people are it's so interesting because nearly everybody I know is anti-vax. They're not anti-vax. They're just like, look, med- you know, informed consent, medical autonomy. I get to choose what I want to do with my own body. You want to do what you want to do, go ahead. You want to vaccinate your kids up to wazoo, go nuts, but don't force it upon me. So I don't know how, I don't know how they're just going to keep pushing this agenda without a, a war or of somehow. I, I mean, unless that's what they're pushing for. I mean, I don't know, but I think an important distinction too is the is COVID-19, which is the symptomology that we're seeing, mm-hmm. which I don't deny there's something weird going on. There always is something we're going because of all the toxins. And then the, then the, then the actual COVID, the SARS-2 COVID, the, what they're calling the virus, which I don't believe has ever been purified or exists. But the COVID-19 symptomology, there is something going on. And whether that be the single hay or uh, all the stuff they're spraying, or the fear on in the media and all that. There is obviously we know that disease, quote unquote, disease comes from the mental plane. That we can we can literally manifest the physiological symptoms we're seeing just from fear. So you know, Dr. Cohen says states that too, which we'll have him on November fifth, by the way, on AlphaCast here, guys. So mm-hmm. we're not denying that there's people that are getting ill, you know, but the the, the idea of transference from a virus is ridiculous germ theory is ridiculous and i personally believe viruses are important that's how humanity overcomes these these physical these these toxic things in our environment like the you know radio waves and and other things like that so uh uh, as dr thomas thomas cowan uh states so and as a fireman i do take yes we're not the cause of fire (laughs) we're there to freaking (laughs) fix it up Um, yeah, when he asked Dr. Tom Cohen, or when he comes on and ask him about the PCR test, because yeah. it, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's so laughable, it's not even a test. Oh, yeah. 
you know it's just i mean it's and yet everyone goes to it like something up their nose or whatever it's just madness it's just like you know it takes you about four minutes to figure that shit out literally i mean it took me probably 15 minutes to make that little three minute video that i made and that's about how long you know that's about how long it took you to figure out okay even the guy that made the test gary mullis says it's not a test it's it's just you could get anything anything you want it's meaningless okay and that's what they're using to take away our civil liberties and jab us in the arm with vaccination. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of impressed though with how much mileage they've got out of this thing. I mean, it's kind of depressing in that you think about a population that could actually buy this stuff and it's like, oh my God, we are in trouble. The <laughs> people are actually believing this stuff. On yeah. the other hand, uh, you know, my hat's kind of off to them in a devious way. They're, they're you know, pretty shrewd the way they pulled this off. And, you know, the, the main thing we have to uh, consider is, you know, the first hermetic principle, I think, what do they call it? Mentalism, which, and, and uh, Walter Russell uh, coincides with his work and that this is a thought-based universe. So if you want to create a false reality or, or any kind of reality for that matter, that what you have to do is hijack the population at the mental plane. And that's what's happened. So yeah, they can create any effect they want if we go along with it and use our thought processes to create what they want. It's all a magic spell, the whole thing as we're coming to find. And this is one of the interest, most interesting things about the, you know, engaging in the work and looking at you know, numbers attached to letters and things like that is like you know, sentences or seances, rites or writing, spell casting, you know, sp you know, binding, spell binding people, binding people through spelling, language, manipulation of language. You know, you know, that sort of thing. That's exactly what's happening right now. Even if there is uh, an actual illness, like you're saying, right? Or we do have these symptoms, whatever. Okay, well, that happens every single year. There's been several times in my life where I, you know, whatever, unhealthy, and I've gotten sick and things like that. And they could have called it COVID-10, whatever it was, and people would have believed it because all they have to do is put that narrative out. This is what, here's a little graphic. Oop, this is what this thing looks like. CGI, you've never seen it. You'll never see it. And then it's COVID-19 and boom, here it is. And now launch that campaign out and that's it. It's all made up. It's all fairy tale. Fairy tale. It's all yeah. wizardry. It's all, it's all it really done is. literally by so magicians, that, wizard. That could be a good segue. Uh, maybe you could just give us the cliff notes for parts of our audience that aren't familiar with Gematria and what that's all about. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's essentially what I, I'm known for in a lot of ways because that's what I, you know, the main focus of my books and things. But um, yeah, gematria is, you know, it's just the art of assigning numbers to letters to reveal deeper meanings to words and phrases and things like that. But it's long been known as a um, like a spiritual art. You know, it was always connected to, and gematria isn't just locked into like Judaism or anything like that. You have, you know, it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear that like Hindus, they actually had numbers attached to their letters. Though I don't know if we have a cipher for that. Pretty clear the Latin did the same thing. But we know for a fact that um, Hebrew does, for Greek does the same thing. Um, the abjad letter system in the Quran, the Quran is entirely based off basically, you know, numbers behind the letters of, you know, that sort of thing. And so my focus was on English, and um, what I found was a, a cipher that was actually encoded within the Holy Bible to the English alphabet. And so that's sort of, you know, the, the, the work that I do, but the, you know, gematria is always, once, once again, it's always faced, it's always, uh, it's always based on like spiritual ideas and things like that. It's always connected to that sort of realm. And the reason is, is because how we started this conversation is that numbers themselves are a metaphysical language. 
And so what you, this, and this is what I, I show in the work that I do is that the same information that you can find at the, at the foundation of what are some of the things in Hebrew or the same things you can find in the Quran, the same things you can find here, because you're finding mathematical constants, universal constants, science, things that would be verifiable within scripture. So if I gave you said, Hey, you can find pi in the name of Elohim. If I made that claim, well, if, if I was doing science, everybody that went to go look at the name Elohim in Hebrew would have to be able to find pi, right? That's what science is. Well, you can do that. And I could say that for about literally, you know, 100,000 different things that you can find within the texts of like the Bible, or, you know, things like that. that you can go and I could say, hey, this is there. Go prove it. Zero through nine in English, you spell out the word zero through nine, it equals 180. Anybody that does that will find that that answer is true. And that's, that's what science is all about. The problem is a lot of people that do gematria don't do that. They come up with their own connections and they're like, oh, 33 here and this cipher here and they put this together and this means this. And you can never verify or, you know, you know repeat any of what they do. You just have to go to them like, oh, that's what he did. So that's true. I don't do that. I say, here's the phenomenon that you can find. Go find it yourself. You know? And that's what it's all about. So. I mean, it really is alchemy, right? I mean, it's uh, the ancient, uh, the ancient uh, science there. And question, Marty, where does language come from? Where in your mind, I've, I've been really following a lot of this lately. Where did language come from initially? They say it goes back to the Neolithic age, right? And they say like uh, Judaism or the uh, Hebrew uh, and the Phoenicians. But in your mind, in your research, how far have you tracked it back? Oh, who knows? I mean, in the beginning was the word, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's that, like in, the, in, in one sense of when you say all is mine and you can manipulate reality literally through language, you have, the, you have this idea that in the beginning was the word that the entire thing was, cre was spoken into manifestation. One of the most interesting things about that though is people immediately like, oh, that's a Christian idea. And I was like, no, it's not. And this is where the Gnostic thing comes in. No, the word was in, found in like Mayan, you know, you have the Hindus that, that they said, the oh, that thing. That was a great word that manifested everywhere. The, the Masons believe in the lost Masonic word. Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus, right? In the Hermetic, in the Hermetic Corpus, he talked about the word. The, the, you know, it was, was like the great word. So it's like me and my studies, I was like, well, what the hell's the word, you know? And then it gets to, it's like, okay, well, it has to be, the word has to be spoken in a language that is universal, must be, you know, and what language do we have? What's available to us, math, you know? And so, but then when it gets to actually where languages come from, I have no idea, yeah. you know? What I can say though, is that from looking at the cipher and things like that, it seems that they've been built, like they were built particularly, that when changes were made, like the dropping of J, V, and W or whatever, or adding of J, V, and W into the modern 26, right? That was particularly done that that wasn't just some haphazard, convoluted, you know, cobbled together mess. It was like somebody said, you know, whether that somebody was God himself or a bunch of really smart individuals who were polymaths or whatever, I don't know. No one has that answer and no one will have that answer because that's, that's a wash in the sands of time. You know what I mean? So anyway. Yeah. You know, you know, it's, you know, what's funny, Marty, is I was at recently at a, um, at a, at a sale, a, um, uh, garage sale uh, and I this book I came across last uh, two weeks ago yep. Are you familiar with it yeah, um, the, time ago. the Bible code yeah it came out in like the 90s and I, I known about it. I saw it I'm like oh, I'm gonna grab that and then we happened to have you on the show and I was started reading it last night fascinating stuff where I mean what's your take on the Bible code 
and uh, the work of uh, um, I'm forgetting the mathematician um, that 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 did it, but um, yeah, there's a lot of controversy about that. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that have done stuff like that over the years, where it's like they uh, and and you and this is one of the charges that I get against me or you know that sort of thing. It's like, well, you can make anything fit whatever you want, kind of thing. Well, in some cases, that's that's true because you see a lot of people do this, and it's like, look at the connections I can make and by putting the numbers together and stuff like that, right? Well, the point is in a book like that is that you would have to have somebody come along and be able to do the exact same thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, find all that stuff and make the connections. When you read that book, he says, oh, I found this particular name of this, whatever, prime minister or whatever, and he was going to die here. Well, where, where, what was that based on? Nothing. You know, it's like you just picked out a prime minister's name and then went and circled it in the Bible based on, apropos of nothing, based on nothing, just on some crazy whim of a prophecy that you decided to fumble together in your mind, you know, some squirrely revelation that you had sitting in the back of your brain. Well, that's based on nothing. When I say zero through nine or one through 10 in English gematria equals 180 and 180 is the inter, you know, internal degrees of a triangle and that's found within the Bible. Well, where, where, why am I using the number 10? Well, it's because it would be the, you know, it's your hands. It's the very tools that you would use to pick up the Bible, even write numbers, count numbers, everything. So these are the differences that you have. Lots of people throughout time come to this stuff. Let me give you a better example. Astrology is a perfect example. Do you know how many people that practice astrology, no offense, but know nothing? They're, they're, they are complete frauds. They, they just, on once again, harebrained notions and whims, they put together all this stuff and then project it onto somebody's life and prophesy a bunch of shit. That's not what astrology is about at all. Same thing happens in Gematria. I just refuse to do that. You know, so. Yeah, and prophesying uh, through astrology is a very dangerous thing. It's a very dark thing. I mean, to put suggestions into people Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's determining their future or, or who they think they are as an individual. You know, one quick antidote about the Bible code, Mike, if, if you guys don't mind. There's a no, gentleman, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but he um, wrote another book that was actually pretty scholarly and, and well-researched. And he explained how King James, uh, you know, needed more control over his subjects. So he had the Bible, uh, let's just say, edited for that purpose. And, uh, you know, anybody that's ever studied... Um, uh, you know, law and sovereignty circles and everything, you realize that it's, it's, you know, our laws are based on Bible and that sort of thing. But what he found is that um, uh, King James approached the, the, the highest intellect in his court at, at that time that was Francis Bacon and said, will you do this for me? He was the only one capable and he agreed. And then Francis Bacon then uh, encoded his writings for the Rosicrucians and other groups there that were keeping certain uh, teachings alive. And then those initiates would be able to read the Bible and then read the code and read a, 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 an entirely different treatise based on their understanding of the code. And a lot of people would suggest that Francis Bacon was all, also um, William Shakespeare and that the similar code is found through the Shakespearean work. So for what it's worth, uh, you know, it's kind of fun looking at all that sort of thing. So maybe there is a Bible code uh, and it's uh, maybe more to it than we realize. A, a few things on that. I will say that I think Shakespeare's works were encoded. In fact, uh, man, there's, a, there's mm -hmm. a guy that actually found out once again, the same 
you know, when, when I point out mathematical constants, these are not things that when you find them in works, they have to be particularly encoded because they're specific numbers. Like you're, it's, you know, like when there's like 1.618, well, that's a pretty goddamn specific number, you know, 2.718, that's E. Well, when you find something like that in a measurement encoded so specifically, that jumps out at you right away if you're, if you're an honest mathematician, because you're like, well, whoa, 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 that's, that's a mathematical constant that I could hand to mathology or number file or whoever, and you would have to agree with me, that's, that's 2.718. You can't deny that. So when you find stuff like that, and sh like you know, and people have in Shakespeare's work, that's really interesting. And just how even how the letter work is set up. So I think Shakespeare's work, number one, was encoded, and I don't think Shakespeare was Shakespeare. Obviously, was it a guild of writers? Was it Francis Bacon? Who knows, right? But um, there's a lot of evidence that. What was I going to say? On top the, as of that? the ascended master Saint Germain. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, <laughs> Some say that too. Yeah, yeah. This is the other thing. When I approach stuff like that, it's all of that is speculation for me. Like I can't prove any of that. And so, and I can't prove that who King James was, maybe he was like an actual, like noble dude. And then after his reign or when he died, he was just slandered in the media or something. Maybe who knows? Like, I don't have any proof of any of that. It's all speculation. I can't, you know, when I approach the Bible, I, I approached it in a very scholarly sense, like, as in like, um, just like you would as a, of anybody that's read any classic works of literature, everything from Dante's Inferno to whatever, right? I went in as like, okay, well, what is, what is the book telling me? Can I look at this book and can I see, is there pattern? Is there organization here? Are there little things in the book that are nuanced that prove to you that this, there's something special about this or that there's more in there, right? Little clues to say, you got to dig deeper. Lots and lots of authors have already done this, Shakespeare being one of them. James Joyce was super famous for this. Um, who, who's a, um, a, who's another really big one? Um, Edgar Allan Poe, Edgar Allan Poe was huge at actually encoding, you know, whatever ciphers and things like that, or deeper messages within his stories. Everyone knew it. So when I, I, you know, I read Poe, I read Rick and Dante, I read all this and stuff. So when I finally got to the Bible after years of reading like classic literature and study and, and you know, esoteric stuff like that, it's like, well, clearly this thing, there's something about it. You can just look at Genesis one, one. I mean, you just look at Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, and you can see there's something special there. You've got patterns. You've got six around one. You've got the opening phrases that tell you about geometry. You've got, you know, particular things like heaven and earth, which have long standing through um, orthodoxy have been proven to show that mean circle and square. What does that mean? You know, there's all these things, literary devices within the text that jump out that tell you there's something else going on here. Everything from anthropomorphism to synecdoche to, uh, you know, whatever, allegory, parable, all of that sort of stuff is riddled throughout that book. So I went into it and I said, well, I can't prove what the history of this. I don't know who translated this. I don't know what happened to the language. I don't know King James or what his deal was. Can I look at this book though and prove that there's something special about it? That I can do all day long. That I can do all day long. You know, and so that's what I want to focus on. You know what I mean? So. Well, the thing with the Bible code though was trippy because the author, Michael, uh, Michael Droz, Drozen, who was researching it, they found that 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 the um, uh, who was it? Rabin uh, it was the uh, prime minister at the time of uh, Israel, right? Uh, I believe uh, they, they you know they found it that they, there was words in the same page that saying that they would be assassinated, and he went to warn them, and they didn't listen. Then he was assassinated. And then on that same page, they found the name of the assassin. So that is pretty trippy stuff. And I guess Bill Clinton is in there. So, and then they say it's like 10 million to one uh, in terms of that, um, 
of that being on an, like a Moby Dick or some other book. Because that's, mm-hmm. that's the other thing is if you take a big enough volume of words, you can find whatever combinations you want. So I don't know. I'm just cracking into this. It is interesting. The whole idea is that that reality, that time doesn't really exist linearly, of course, which we understand. And that if the God had, you know, whatever, put this in the original text so that we have a codex for all reality moving forward, back, forth, present, future, past. Um, I just love this stuff. So anyways, it is pretty fascinating. I will say this, though. There's a lot of, I would say, evidence or, or at least... Oh, 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 like uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Um, James Joyce calls the a commodious of Vicus for circulation back to Howth Castle with Tristan by Lord of Mars. What the hell is that guy's name? Vicus something, but it was basically a guy that basically said that just like just like Walter Russell would say, time isn't necessarily linear; it's more cyclical, right? Is that within those patterns, just like there would be like the seasonal pattern, the daily pattern in those in those patterns of time are patterns. You know, that, that whatever, whoever's living at the time goes through, sort of fits through that sort of thing. Well, th- that seems like maybe woo-woo and you might not have any whatever, like, uh, evidence for that. But at the same time, if you look at our yearly pattern, every year it goes through a similar pattern. Well, why wouldn't time itself in a, in a, in a grander sense go through a, a bigger pattern? It makes sense to me. Then you look at the Greeks and long count calendars, things like that, the Mayan long count calendar, the Greek, you know, whatever, all of these, you know, the Hindus obviously map insane long cycles of time, you know, 5,000 years, 26,000 years, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I think there's, uh, at least as far as like scripture is concerned, not just like, you know, Christian, but lots of religions have talked about that. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. And the fact that the Quran, I'm sorry, but just the fact the Quran comes from other other stuff too right it's not the original it comes there's lots of influence from uh, mesopotamia and previous cultures anyways so who's to say that's the divine word so go ahead bear just one thing i'm like the divine word i think that this is the thing that actually those religious texts are trying to point you to is once again not just a language that's stuck in your geography or your culture or your civilization it's a language that's at the base of everything and that would be universal what's more you know what's more universal than the creator of course so when we talk about the actual word of God, that sort of sense, right? It's not pointing to anything in English or Hebrew or whatever. The things in Hebrew and English and, and whatever, they're pointing to something that's beyond, literally defined as metaphysical. Meta meaning beyond, physical meaning the physical. And that's exactly what math is. It's beyond the physical. Hence why in, in somatics, right, you could just throw a chaotic, you know, bunch of whatever it is, a sand or whatever it is, and then you put it to a resonance, right? And what's going to happen? Well, it's going to form geometry. Well, that geometry was there. It was in the resonance. It was beyond the physical. The physical just formed to it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and it, it's all about resonance. That's the future as far as I'm concerned with medicine and everything. You have to understand that basic principle. And just in our personal lives, of course, whatever your attention is on, so you become. It's, it's literally you're resonating with whatever you're focused on. And uh, if we could just kind of revisit numbers real quick uh, while we're talking about resonance. You know, when I'm measuring a number like the golden mean, 1.6, if I take my instrument, a biogeometry instrument, which is very carefully calibrated, different than just, uh, you know, kind of old school dowsing or that sort of thing, um, and you uh, measure 1.6, the, the symbols, you're really not going to get anything. However, if you put 
16 marks on a paper, for instance, or pick up 16 toothpicks, and now you measure that, you get that exact same frequency reading that you get with anything, you know, containing that golden mean or any of the other kind of number. For instance, seven is a very powerful and penetrating carrier wave. And you can pick that up with biogeometry as well. Uh, like, you know, many other numbers, other sacred numbers like 19 pick up a very similar resonance as, uh, say the golden mean only slightly different. And then you look at, you know, like the flower of life and that sort of thing, you know, it's 19 components. And mm -hmm. so, um, so any comments you might have just about how that's, uh, how that resonance works and how, if I measure the symbols, I'm not going to pick it up. But if I actually get those objects grouped together in that number, then I get a very strong reading. Well, a, a few a few things. Be, uh, let me get let me get back to numbers. But beyond numbers, when you talk about health, like and you talk about resonance, you don't even have to get into one or two or even look at the numbers at all. It's like you know, love, connection, unity, hugs, tat, you know, handshakes, all that stuff. That's resonance. You're resonating with another human being. You're you know being on the level with that person by hugging them. And you know, in in one sense, I say a hug is no different than a an, uh, a namaskar or a namaste. You know, it's like you're, I'm bowing, I'm recognizing the divine within you. When you come and hug somebody that you're sharing love, that's resonance. And what hap what's happening right now? Stay six feet apart. Don't resonate with people. They even said, I mean, I don't know, I don't have any proof on this, but they said like the heart has like a, it's aura, if you will, goes out six feet kind of thing. That's, you know, that's that sort of thing you're dealing with. So we don't even have to get into any of the numbers to really see how true resonance is in healing. And then the fact you have all these people in nursing homes right now that are not getting to see their family, they're not getting to resonate with the people that they love. What do you think that's doing to their internal battery, if you will? It's killing it. You know? So resonance is, in, in one sense, is love because it's form and order and pattern. That's how you define the word, the logos, right? When in, in the beginning was the word and words with God. That's logos, that is order, that's pattern, that's meaning, that's all that sort of stuff. That is love and resonance, you know? So that's how important that is, number one. Number, okay, then getting to the actual number things. It, like when you, once again, when you look at every single number that has its own particular quality, its own divisors, is it a prime? Is it a non-prime? Is it an odd and an even? What does its geometry look like? When you look at its geometry and form, where do you find that geometry? Why is it that a hexagon is, why do bees use that hexagon? Why does a snowflake use the same thing? Well, because there's an economy there. You know what I mean? So a lot of times when you want to look at form, structure, actually, you know, the physical manifestation of something, particular numbers will be used because it's the best way, because that number has something to say about how powerful it is in form, in, in constructing something. So now I haven't done any work with this myself, like you have or whatever, but as far as like resonance and using numbers, you, it, 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 it totally makes sense that you would find the exact same thing. You know what I mean? That you would have certain numbers that resonate with other numbers. You actually find this to be true in the study of gematria. There's a reason that Jesus equals 27, Christ equals 32, because 27 and 32, when you come to find, have an unbelievable resonance with one another. There's, there's particular things that happen between, adding between them, with the devices of those, what they, how, how they triangulate out to, all of that sort of stuff that shows that, hey, there's a reason that these two numbers have been put together, you know? And so... Like I said, I haven't done that much with like somatics or like resonant work as far as like frequency of human beings, that sort of thing, but it only makes sense. It, it would be the most reasonable thing to find it there, in other words. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
In my old uh, clinic, I created this uh, table and it, it incorporated sound work, sonics and all that sort of thing. But one of the things I fabricated, I had uh, apertures machined overhead and those apertures were, uh, would project geometric forms. And then so when we got the right sonics and the, you know, which we had the ability to test and the uh, you know, uh, particular parts of the color spectrum that we wanted to project, then we'd do it through these apertures. And depending which uh, geometric aperture you use, it would create an entirely different effect on the body. And over time, we realized you know, what different geometries would do to physiology. So that was uh, you know, a long time ago in our clinic in Hawaii, but you know, that's where I really started getting clued in. Oh, there's something about this geometry that actually bends waveforms that create our reality in the first place. Do you, did you ever do anything with Victor Schauberger? Any, his, that's his name, right? Victor oh, yeah. Schauberger? Yeah, yeah I love Victor. Yeah, yeah, and he he's actually- He's one of my old heroes, yeah. Yeah, right? And he actually, what, he put water through certain geometric forms and then, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while yeah. since I've been stuff. You can even make water pump uphill without any uh, generation or anything just by the geometric forms. In mm -hmm. fact, they still have a lot of his forms operating in uh, Europe and in Austria and in uh, water aqueduct systems where they, they pump water wherever they want just with these forms. I'm sure the government's got some patent on that and they're not going to tell you this, but... <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, speaking of the heart, if you take measurements on the heart, again, with radius seizure about geometry, you find the greatest focus of that golden mean energy, which we would, which I would consider the, you know, the love principle that you're describing is mm -hmm. in the heart. And just like Tom Cowan, uh, you know, very accurately describes the heart is not a pump. It's very true. The heart is a vortex. And there's another gentleman who's done the geometry on that and shown that, uh, you know, it's actually a vortex that mimics Walter Russell's work. And so it's great. We live in a, in a marvelous time, I think, where all these great minds, uh, you know, have given us breadcrumbs and they're all leading to the same spot. And it's, it's really fun following them. Well, it's interesting. Speaking of resonance, that seems to happen down here as well. Like there's an always an eternal balance. So as much as we see all of this, pseudo-scientific scientism rhetoric that's being pushed out, you have at the same time huge you know, advances and, and discoveries and things like that in, in the world of esoterica and health and all that sort of stuff happening. Is it on CBS or you know, 60 Minutes? No, but it is all over the internet and people are starting to see it. So, you know, um, you know it's, it's refreshing in that sort of sense, you know? Well, from what I hear, uh, a lot more people are tuning in to little podcasts like this and, and the collective uh, independent podcasts are totally kicking the crap out of the uh, legacy media right now. So I think, we're, um, I think we're going somewhere with all this. Yeah, I mean, they can't just keep shutting everybody down because then they're literally just going to shut everybody down. They're just going to have to shut Facebook down at some point. <laughs> it's like <laughs> everybody is in timeout. Seems like there's there's two kind of uh, diverting storylines here, and I'm wondering how this relates to to language, Marty, because it seems like in some aspects we're moving to a post language society where, like, gosh, it's it, the mastery of the English language, for instance, is just getting so abysmal uh, within the younger generations where people aren't reading li great literature anymore. I know we talked about this last week with education and why I pulled my kids out of 
public school in California because they're not even teaching handwriting anymore, which mm -hmm. is scary because then kids and future generations won't be able to read old documents, right? Um, they're not, they're, a lot of the reading comprehension is more of just listening to people speak on videos and then reiterating it back on video versus actually reading and writing. And so this kind of relates into my idea too of the post-truth world we're going into where it's so hard to find any truth these days in the digital vacuum of Google and everything. It's like this post-truth reality, but also in what your work is tying language to math to reality, where do you see this going with this divergence and this kind of um, where we're going into emoji world? Is that something to be worried about with the emojis and with short texting and short, you know, short Basically, people are, are having those long conversations, those really enriching, vocab deep vocabulary um, relationships to language anymore. At least that's kind of the trend I'm seeing. Well, I mean, we know that all this stuff is like just firing dopamine, you know? And so it's like all of it is basically, as we know, is training us to be, you know, have no attention span, not be mm -hmm. able to sit with our thoughts for a long time, you know? And it's already affected me. I can already tell you. And so, you know, it's one of the things we like want to get rid of the phone and things like that. But yeah, I mean, before, like even before I was talking to Crow about this, actually Crow triple seven, I was like, before I used to be able, before I got a phone, I used to be able to sit down in my bed and I'd have like two books open and like my notebook and I'd just be in my head for whatever, a couple hours. How many people do that anymore? How many people sit down and are going to, you know, pick through, you know, whatever, the classic work of literature and actually try to understand it and earnestly try to understand it. it just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, once again, they're dumbing us down. All of this is a dumbing down campaign. So the way to fight back is to be smart, you know? Yeah. I mean, seriously, <laughs> start reading again, reject these things, get all, you know, that sort of thing. That's the only way to fight back. Push yeah. literature you know on the doing? children. Yeah, make literature cool again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they know what they're doing. You know, and they've been doing it for a long time. You know, it's been like we were, I was just on Wolves and Sheep podcast. You said it was like, you know, it was our grandfathers that were undergoing this and probably their fathers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, and all that's happening in the process is uh, people like yourself, Mike, you're um, in response to what you're describing. What you just yanked your kids out of school and you're doing it yourself. So, uh, you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff with censoring pretty soon they're, they're going to be by themselves. So uh, I think the problem's taking care of itself. Uh, I think what we're trying to do in these venues is maybe try to minimize the carnage in between while we complete the full circle journey and come back to the starting point a little wiser for it. You know, you talk about like the cycles of time and things like that. There's a lot of people that would say that we're in that transitionary period. And even like, once again, even, you know, I was a huge fan of John Major Jenkins. He was, uh, John Major Jenkins, I don't know if those of you that don't talk about John Major Jenkins here for a second, if you don't mind. John Major, John Major Jenkins was like one of the guys that got me doing what I do. Like he actually taught me about like, like syncretizing different studies, you know, archaeoastronomy, numbers, language, symbolism, that sort of stuff. His work was instrumental in that. And he's one of the guys that actually was big on the 2012 uh, thing. Um, he, was, he, he wrote a couple books like Galactic Alignment and things like that. And of course, he wasn't about end of the world. You know, the Mayans weren't about that. He was unbelievably scholarly about it and being like, hey, they tracked and mapped long periods of time. We're in a position that we're, you know, 13 Bakhtuns over, we're transitioning to another phase. 
this phase is anywhere from 36 to 72 years and it's and it's working because that's one tick of the you know procession blah 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 so even him the guy that i was you know i was actually going to live with him at one point my wife and i were gonna the guy that was instrumental in helping me when he looked back at one of these ancient cultures that he spent his entire life on they were saying look we're in a position of transition we are Okay. Now you look at all the other stuff that's tied to this, as far as like the metonic cycle of 19 years, you've got this great uh, alignment that's happening, great conjunction that's happening. I think right around December 21st, you know, it's like, look, man, there's a lot of stuff that's saying that we are in a, in a transitionary period. And it's sort of up to us as to what this next, you know, it's sort of incumbent upon us to be like, okay, what do we want to see? You know, what are we going to allow? Are we going to allow a complete technocratic freaking dystopian nightmare? Or are we going to fight back against this? Well, what I'm seeing is that, you know, a lot of people are ready to fight back. They just don't know how. So, but I think we are in a big transition. Things are never going to go back to the normal that we all enjoyed. And in one sense, great, great. Because that was bullshit. We were living in bullshit. We were living in lies. We were living on off the backs of people that worked hard. We were allowing too much corruption to happen. So that's fine. So that's good. But what are we going to see? You know, I don't know. Logos is rising. That's I was going to ask, are, you know, are you familiar with the harmonic convergence that happened in 1985? I believe it was. I mean, back then they were saying this was happening and that relates to the Maya calendar. But many people believe we're finally, the ripples of that are finally coming to fruition right now, as they said in 2020, would be with the clear vision of when that happened and that we're seeing that now that transfer into the age of, uh, you know, the next age, as you're saying. So, and I agree, I believe we passed the Rubicon that, that old, that old time of what we used to have is gone. We're never going back to it. Like people think we're going to wait till, wait till the election and then everything's going to go back to normal. No, like it's never going back people. It's never, ever going back. But just curious if you're, if you're familiar with the harmonic convergence, because I've been doing more and more study of that recently and it's pretty fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's his name? Um, uh, well, there's Tony Shearer talked about it in his book, Lord of the Dawn. Um, one guy who was like really attached to the whole Mayan meme, um, Law of Time. I forget what his name was. Somebody in the chat probably knows. But anyway, um, yes, I've heard of that. Um, but mainly my, my thing would be like, okay, once again, can we tie it to anything? You know, if there's, it, it has to be a provable thing that we are in that shift. Well, when you, when you tie it to what looks like what actually happened in the sky, according to the Mayans, where the like sun would rise in the center of the Milky Way galaxy, or Milky Way, you know, rift or whatever, as it's rising, well, that absolutely happened. And even like Neil deGrasse Tyson said that shit happened, you know, except yeah. he just said it didn't have any meaning because, well, the earth is in the galaxy and the solar systems and multiverses and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, <laughs> so, but it did happen. And then, uh, then to couple that with the fact that you do have this great conjunction, what is it? It's Uranus, Jupiter, and Saturn. I'm looking at my wife. She's not looking at me. She's, she's the brains of the family. I thought Mars was in it, but. Mar, anyway, it's something yeah. heady. It's something crazy, significant for sure. Clearly, anybody, Saturn, Jupiter, yeah, but about twenty first, right? Right on the winter solstice. Winter solstice, right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So the sky clock that's significant. I mean, that's very significant. Clearly, anybody that studies astrology is like, whoa, okay. So I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew more about that. I wish I had more hands-on experience with actually studying the stars as opposed to just doing it through books, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah. 
Well, I was going to say astrology used to be really uh, combined with seven ray awareness. And they, you know, for instance, if they wanted to pick the next Dalai Lama, they weren't doing astrology the way it's done today. It would be a combination of other sciences in conjunction with it. So, yeah, astrology, the way it's practiced today is a long way from the authentic thing. For sure. Now, harmonic convergence, I was, uh, you know, that was during the 80s. And, yeah. and I was, oh, I don't know, back then, I don't know, in my, my mid-30s or whatever. And and it basically, it just turned into a big new age fest. You know, we kind of yeah. went out at uh, a certain time and, you know, at the, you know, sunrise and all that kind of stuff. And it was fun. But as far as the veracity, what's really going on in the cosmos with that, I still have no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Here's a good question from Mr. Blue Sky. Um, what do you guys think about the use of symbols by those that seek to rule the power of symbols? Anything we, uh, we can weaponize ourselves there with? Or basically, we know they use symbols and everything, but what's the power in those? How do they use them? And are there ways that we can turn that on them? Uh, I got to say, Michael Davino, Jose Arguez. That's who I was thinking of. Yes, yes. Yeah. Jose Arguez, ah. yes. Yeah, Jose Arguez. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, power of symbols. Well, symbols are... What are they, what's the word? Polyvalent or whatever. I mean, they have, they're multiferous or they, you know, you can get a lot from a single symbol. Like you could look at the, the symbol of the cross of Christ and that could mean, a, you know, a babby of different things and does clearly, you know, so symbols can be used how just like language can be used and just like numbers can be used, just like corporations can be used for whatever means that people want. So, and, and what you actually find out is that what, certain groups will do is will actually utilize these symbols and put in them in a negative context. And so therefore you do not research these things or come to understand what they actually mean. And this happens all the time, all the time. And it's actually one of the most difficult things in trying to get people to understand. Perfect example is the all seeing eye of God, right? The all seeing eye of God, well, that's a symbol of the Illuminati and the Masons. And, you know, you've seen Mark Zuckerberg used it at one of his things, right? And so immediately anybody that sees that symbol is like, well, that's a symbol of evil and they're showing it everywhere, and that's what that means. It's ab it absolutely means the exact opposite. It actually means the uh, like omnipotent, omniscience, and omnipresence of God. It means the fact that God is watching all of his creation all time through from the very beginning to the very end. He's keeping a watchful look over his creation. It's pointing to you about geometry, about the, the um, once again, the universality of geometry. All of these things are well not only are they like um, captured in esoteric literature, like when you talk, you could go to tons of different religions and things like that, and they will all use the all-seeing eye of God. You know, you, you've seen it in like Christianity. I did a whole video on it, basically. You can find it in all these different religions. But then again, then you see these evil people use it or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's the only association that people have. So that is the biggest problem you have with symbols, is that people will see a triangle and they'll flip the fuck out. They'll see a pentagram. Or, or a swastika. Which is, the swa which is the Swazi, which goes back to Hindu. And yeah. You'll see a pentagram and they'll flip the fuck out. And it's like, well, no, the pentagram is encoding love and resonance 1.618. Yeah. So I, I do this every time I turn on a camera. I pretty much have to start at square one and be like, look, the Masonic checkboard's floor is not even Masonic. It doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean what you think it means. You know, just because somebody uses it over here doesn't mean that they get to rule what the symbol means. You know what I mean? So, yeah, all those truths are inverted. You know, the, yeah. these days people look at oh, the the founding fathers of uh, America were Masons and they're all evil and in on it. And it's like, well, 
you know, whatever. I don't know what their intentions were. On the other hand, there's great truths in, in all of those schools of thought, and they've all been inverted and weaponized against us. And, and then, of course, the real truth suppressed so that we can't use them for our own benefit. A lot of those so, we point you directly to the uh, occult sciences. You know, and so and what, what you see, especially within like modern day world, it's like anything that's deemed a cult, if it even has like a sliver of that attached to it, any of that association, I'm putting that over here. I can't touch Satanic. that. Satanic. That includes everything from the number 13 to the Star of David, to the pentagram, to the all seeing eye of God, to whatever. I mean, you just end up chucking a bunch of these really ancient symbols that have been used by, especially Christians re react this way a lot used by christianity it's like i could i could show you a bunch of like esoteric literature where it shows you know jesus christ directly related to the pentagram or or the star of david or what you know all of these things have greater meaning than what most people gather from them and that's really the unfortunate thing because even the study of symbolism people be like well that's woo woo occult stuff i'm not touching that i'm not on a path to get to heaven i'm not touching it's like, whoa, bro. You know, it's like, but at the same time, all I have to do is show, I won't even have to put the word stop on it. All I have to do is show you an octagon and a red, and a red octagon and you'll stop, won't you? <laughs> That's part of the dark magic of the inverted reality that they control. Stop mm -hmm. people from even going there. Yep, exactly. The, the churches do a bang up job at this. And this is, I get all sorts of shit for this too, but the Catholic church, number one is, this is all they do. Instead of a well, they're the living word, Marty. They're the living word. They supersede the Christ. <laughs> exactly right. Um, As a, someone who was raised Catholic, it was an altar server for ten years and went to an all boys Catholic high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's where <laughs> you hear all the time, right? Those churches should be leading you to what would be known as her hermeneutics, right? We talk about Hermes, you know, seven hermetic principles. This a traditional Bible study, and anybody can look this up. If you're all questioning me, look it up. Don't trust me. It's called hermeneutics, and it was a basic, it was a way to do biblical exegesis. Nothing in that biblical exegesis said anything about it being a history book. Nothing. Number one. And the end of that, it's called hermeneutics. It's based on Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus. At the end of it is anagogical. So it was a fourfold patristic or hermeneutic approach. And at the end, it was anagogical, which means occult, which means if you're reading the Bible, you're supposed to be seeking out the occult, and you're supposed to be using hermetic principles to do so according to church orthodoxy. But what do the churches do? They're supposed to lead you to that path, but they do, they do the exact opposite. They keep you running so far away from that in every church, nearly every church on every street corner, including the Vatican. So, and hermeticism watch, is- Not on my watch. <laughs> you guys can go fuck yourselves. I'm sorry, kidding. <laughs> hermeticism really is pretty logical and rudimentary. And it, it right? you know, when I- read that it's 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 not mystical and especially when you go into certain circles that i work within you know we're actually applying that with results that are duplicatable and verifiable and um you know so i think what a lot of us are trying to do by getting this information out is to demystify it make it more accessible to the average person and i also understand why in past times like the theosophical society and and uh, anthroposophical, you know, regardless of what our opinion is of who those people really were, um, you know, they were uh, going through decision making as far as is humanity ready for this truth, because a lot of young souls would have used that to their detriment and a detriment of, you know, 
people around them. And another thing we need to consider is these so-called Illuminati and everybody that are using this science against us. Um, all they're doing is doing themselves in more than anybody else. Because if you understand these principles and you're using these technologies, you know, in order to harm people, then you're going to not only, you know, uh, reap what you've sown, but it's going to come back about a thousandfold. You know, in advanced radiesthesia, we learn techniques where you can easily at a distance do anything you want to somebody. But the first thing you're admonished is, you know, don't even think about that kind of thing because you're going to be... Uh, bring great harm to yourself for a long, long time. So, you know, it does take uh, some responsibility to understand the truth, let alone apply it. But I think um, if we don't know these things these days, then we're just sitting ducks for the people that have weaponized it in the first place. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is, there's like an internal balance here for sure. And so yeah. no matter what harm is done, ultimately it will seek, you know, more balance again. But the, the terror and the horror that can happen in the interim of that is something else as we've seen throughout history. You know, it's like the, the Holodomor ended up balancing itself out, but Holy shit, you know what I'm saying? And so it's, once again, we're in that position where we're trying to mitigate that situation the best as we can. You know what I mean? And, so. and the greatest thing though, is uh, in our work, we find that, you know, rather than trying to, shield ourselves from negativity or, or buffer or do all these other things. All we have to do is radiate that golden mean energy, that pure love principle, and that will transmute anything on the second. So basically it's just about going back to your own, uh, you know, backyard and, and <clears throat> cleaning things up and getting rid of a lot of bad habits that, you know, keep us resonating with the things we don't want in our life. Yeah. And, um, it's actually learning again too, you know, as we're, as you're finding out, it's like all these people, it's like, ah, oh, they're ripping them out of school, tear them out of school. And it's like, that's the best thing for those children right now. Cause then they actually learn, you know, I didn't learn how to freaking you know, plant seeds or how to feed crops or how to raise farm animals or how to balance a checkbook or how to fill out, you know, I didn't, I was taught none of this stuff. I was never taught how to like, truly like, you know, research things or how to think for myself no one was right and so now we get to learn these things you know so that's once again that's a pretty great thing you know we aren't, we aren't stuck trying to you know you for me and i'm sure it was for you guys as well still is you get out of these institutions and you'd spend most of your time unlearning the shit that you learned right well if you take the kids out right away they don't have to waste that time anymore they can just learn and so that's you know that's the opportunity we have right now because they didn't learn shit in those schools that's for sure like if I taught math, you know how many people would love math? Let's be mm -hmm. honest. Come on. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, how many people have I already taught math that love it now? That would be like never touch it before because of the school. Yeah. I wish I would have had you early on because, uh, you know, I had to do all the advanced math just uh, for pre-med and everything that, you know, <laughs> get all the prerequisites and, and I hated every bit of it. You know, I got my grades and everything, but it was, it was a hassle and, you know, not that much fun. So the only, the only subject that was really uh, fun for me was organic chemistry because when you got there, um, you know, after all the math and inorganic chemistry, you all of a sudden had to 
you know, visualize three-dimensional things in your mind, you know, how molecules, even though it's all false information too, you know, covalent bonding and all this garbage that's been debunked a long time ago, at least I got to use my imagination to kind of visualize them in 3D space. So, uh, you know, I had a good time with that one. Mm-hmm. So you've got a little homestead going on there in uh, Hawaii. Are uh, you, you got a home garden going? Uh, which you, what's happening? I know you've got chickens and all yeah, sorts right of now, good stuff. Right now I'm on the other side of the island um, at a friend's place here. So, um, but yeah, we got a um, homestead, and yeah, basically just the last probably six months uh, cleared a bunch of land and then got a whole new garden space. And yeah, we got mm-hmm. chickens. We're ready to harvest our first uh, thing of honey from our bees. So that's super cool. And then, yeah, we, um, we're completely off grid. So we have a couple of water tanks, about three different water tanks and then solar. And then, yeah, basically that runs our fridge, like our chest freezer, all our lights, computers, that sort of shit. We are on grid as far as, um, internet cause we, they will let us hook up to the internet. So, but, uh, other than that, yeah, no. And we're, yeah, essentially paid off on our place. So we don't really have electric bill and water bill or, you know, we still got to pay taxes of course, but so it's a pretty good position, nice, and especially right now, you know, because it's like, who knows, you know, people don't know if they're going to keep their jobs or what. So at least we have yeah. a place to go and grow my, grow my uh, sweet corn. So. Property tax is the uh, last hurdle I've got to overcome here. I'm halfway through getting my land patent, if you know anything about that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you and I would encourage, I'd encourage anybody yeah yeah i was actually just looking at that yeah because you basically just have to make an affidavit saying that you are you own the deed not the title or something right i forget what the actual terminology is but so the first thing you do is you get your warranty deed there's five steps and i won't go through the whole thing but you get your warranty deed and then you look at the meets and bounds on the warranty deed which should be there and then you you want certified copies then you uh, over here you go to the blm which is uh, bureau of land management not the other thing <laughs> and um so uh then you match your meets and bounds with them and then you do a search where you find everybody who's laid claim on that land until you go back to the original land grant and then that's where the affidavits and everything come back you do a quit claim on your warranty deed and mm-hmm. then you uh make that a public notice and then also go into the county recorder and have them record the new deed mm-hmm. for the land and then you secured your land patent. And yeah. if a county recorder won't do that for you, there's very easy ways to um, make them obey. And I've actually had to do that a little bit. You got somebody who's going to bust his kneecap or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Legally. There you go. <laughs> That's interesting. There yeah. was something. Yeah, you don't. You also know he is. He is Italian. He is Italian American. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you also know you don't own your car, right? Oh, you don't know. Oh, yeah, same thing. Same thing. Or how about? Yeah, then we can get into the birth certificate. You know, which is you've even signed over your, you know, your your whole persona and body to those clowns. Well, you know what's so interesting about this conversation because every time you get into this conversation with people that are in the know that have studied this sort of stuff, Freeman on the land, sovereignty, rights, all that sort of shit, it's like you realize that all of these people are acting. It was once again I was talking to Crow about this. They're all acting fraudulently. 
So it'd be no different than if a business was, you know, selling you a fraudulent product and they knew they were selling you a fraudulent product. You could report them to the BBB, you know, Better Business Bureau or actually, you know, sue them or whatever. And that would be immediate crap because it's fraud. You know, you can't you defraud people like that, right? Well, this entire system is set up that way. So the people always be like, oh, I'm going to go through the system and get my this and this. And it's like, I think collectively we need to just come out and be like, look, you're defrauding everybody. The birth certificate scam is a fraud. And you know you're frauding. People don't. People engage in this, and they have no idea. That's that's proof positive that you're defrauding people. So the whole thing, just by that, should be undercut. You know, people want to go in and try to like figure out all this stuff and free man on the land, and then you get bust and stuff. It's like I think we need a collective movement to be like, look, this is, you know, you've been defrauding us. And that goes through the financial system. That goes through the birth certificates. That goes through the social security numbers. That goes through land ownership. That goes to cars. You know, it's all fraud. All of it. So the entire debt-based model is based upon human capital. They mm -hmm. have to have it. They have to have these birth certificates because literally our mental energy. I talked about this at our event last week on this new holistic uh, economy idea I have. But we, you're right. That's the that's what no academics talk about in economics is the very fact that the entire basis for the debt model system is based on human capital. Is that every time if someone's born, that is that is more equity for the debt system. And that's why they have to keep this going. So yeah, it is, it's a mass awakening that needs to happen and we need to take back our, our, our humanity and our, and reclassify ourselves and our status correction and all that needs to happen. And it's a massive grassroots movement that is happening right now. So mm -hmm. it is exciting to see that people are waking up to this. Cause when bear told me this 10, 12 years ago, even back then, even just like 2010, you would, people would have said I was psycho for saying this but now i bring it up and people it's like a meme that's kind of grown in the mm -hmm. truth circles that people are starting to understand and it's it's all there it's all there if you go dig it up like so the status correction stuff the land patent stuff the income tax stuff all that needs to start and more people that do that the ground swelling movement that happens and then we come up with solutions right to replace it because it's one thing i just saw i forgot his name who was posting you know go vote today it was a big influencer he had his mask on um we all know him um he's like in rogan level and it's like there's there was so much irony in that picture pic, picture of him wearing a face mask and saying i just voted go vote early and um tim ferris okay it was tim ferris so it was just like you know where do we even start to unpackage that, right? Because it's all fiction. That everything in that picture is fiction, yeah. right? Well, it's interesting too because in the Declaration of Independence it says, you know, uh, certain unalienable rights, and you, which means it doesn't matter. Like even if you said, well, you you signed yourself away the birth certificate of your mama did. No, she didn't because it's not something you can sign away. A right isn't something you can sign away. It's unalienable. You can't yeah. put a fucking lien on it. So it doesn't matter what it is. So if anything that's done that is a fiction, it's a fraud, yeah. and it needs to end, period. You know, and so if somebody says, well, you signed the contract here, and that just means bullshit. That's fraudulent. Boom, done, you know, and that's it. And that's Even with their own, oh, yeah, go ahead, Bear. I was to say the only problem we have remaining is that we keep funding the standing armies that they use to enforce this stuff on us. Yeah, that's going to... That's going to come to a head. No, well, we the good thing is we can't fund it much longer because the debt system is literally an exponential failure right now. It's exponential debt growth that is basically the Ponzi scheme that is, re that is re relying on this spread to the, to the third world countries with the IMF 
fraud and everything, it's tapped out. It's like, there's just not much more they can pull out of it. That's why they're trying. That's why we have, I was saying in my talk, once again, it's not uh, a, a viral epidemic. It's a dead epidemic that's caused this whole worldwide scam mm -hmm. that, that they're using. So they can push us into the digital dollar so they can re the great reset that the World Economic Forum is talking about is they have to do this because the traditional debt model cannot go much longer. A Ponzi scheme must always crash. It mm -hmm. must always crash. So that's the good thing is that their own crappy systems are going to literally fall in on themselves. Now it's a question of we still have to wake up and say, no, we don't want the digital dollar. We don't want this new universal digital currency. We're going to use Bitcoin. We're going to trade seeds. We're going to go back to the land. We're going to create our own decentralized autonomous organizations. We're going to do what we want to do. And so that's what's so cool about what we're seeing right now is it's like this great breaking off of the mask versus the not mask. It's a great kind of symbol of who's in, who's out, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, there's a lot of craziness going on right now and it's a, it's a pretty wild ride, but the debt system is failing right now. I mean, that's what we're seeing. So mm -hmm. the, the, the standing armies, so, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to, you know. So Marty, I uh, talked to an old friend in uh, Hana yesterday and uh, she said that people are starting to get pretty irate out there and fed up with all this stuff. How are people on the big island reacting now? I mean, it's, you know, it depends who you talk to. I mean, I don't, I don't know because I don't, I mean, look, I know for a fact that there's a lot of people that are just tired of the masks. They're just tired of that shit, you know, they're and they're, there's a, you know, there's a 14 day quarantine still inner Island. So you can't even go to the other Island without being quarantined, which is oh. you know, all of, yeah, it's, you know, so what, you know, but people are tired of it. There's a lot of people that want to still protect our Ina and, you know, protect the land. Don't let anybody in and stuff like that. It's like, you can't even listen to those people because that's just, that's causing so much destruction I and mean, economic health, you know, all of that sort of stuff. We know if you're only focused on COVID-19, that's one little slice of a pie and you miss 359 other slices. So just nonsense. But a lot of people are done with the mask. You, you, you see people driving. They're not, for the most part, they're not wearing masks. I speak to people at work. If, if you told them you could take that mask off right now and you never have to put it on again, that thing would be off just like that. You know, and so, and you, that's a, I think that's a pretty strong sentiment in my opinion, you know, so we'll see. Um, I don't know. Governor Ige is out of control. Mayor Kirk Caldwell is out of control. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green is out of fucking control. Every decision they're making is ruining people's lives more. So at some point it's like, either you need to stop making decisions and get the hell out of the way, or you're just going to continue to ruin lives more. That tells you right now, since they're going to keep making emergency proclamation number 14, right? They have every intention of ruining our lives because that's who's in control. So Marty, um, we've been talking a while and we want to respect your time here. So is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Any other topic you'd like to bring up? No, I think, yeah. Nothing offhand. <laughs> King King just said he drove by a cemetery yesterday with signs outside that said "Be safe, wear a mask." So we don't want to don't want to infect the dead. <laughs> well, that's the next thing. The zombie apocalypse. That, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So uh, you you mentioned your fearless leaders there in Hawaii. So uh, is there a way to vote them out? So that's the question, right? Like people say, go vote. We vote for these representatives in this corrupt system, and it seems like they don't change anything no matter who we vote. Some would yeah. say maybe Trump's changed that a bit because he's out of the system, but what have we – so what are your – are you voting? 
No. no. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 big, the greatest vote on the island would be to um, get the people together to unify because that's what, that's what will really bring change here, you know? I mean, uh, Ige's in office for another, like, two years or something yeah. like that. So um, in those two years, this island will be destroyed. I mean, it already is. There's so many businesses that are out and people will never, you know, you know the whole scenario. I don't need to go into it. But um, as far yeah, I don't vote because, I mean, it's corrupt. I mean, you know, I don't think, you know, whatever, especially on a presidential level, I think it's been corrupt for many, many, many years. I don't trust voting. So I've given, they've given me no reason to trust voting. Uh, but as far as like keeping people out of here, well, we're working on like notice. Uh, in fact, I just finished a notice of violation and uh, basically a list of the laws that are being broken by, by businesses forcing mass mandates. And so we're just listen, listing OSHA violations, human rights violations, Nuremberg fucking trials, you know, just uh, here's the constitution. Here's the Hawaiian constitution. Here's what the law actually says and put it right in their hands because the employers are fearful of, um, or the businesses are fearful of, you know, le- not allowing, you know, just letting people do whatever they want as far as the master concerned, because the public health department is going to come and shut them down. But it's, you know, but they also have to realize that they have to be concerned with the actual health of their employees and the customers. And if they're breaking all of these laws to follow a mandate, I don't know. You lost your volume there, Marty. For a oh. second. Oh, you're good now. You're good. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, you know, um, I, I get hit up all the time. People say, well, you don't vote. Don't you care about the country or care about the future? And I say, well, I'm not a U.S. citizen. You know, and what they don't understand is to vote, you register to vote. You have to, you know, accept the U.S. citizen class, which is this, you know, 14th Amendment slave class. And I've changed my status and a lot of people are learning how to do that. So, you know, why it, it's like going out and casting your vote for the next CEO of General Electric. It's none of my business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the only thing I, I, I say to this is that I don't, I, for me, it's a, the way I see it is I don't, I don't think there's a way that you can just turn your back to this thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that humanity in general needs to go cut the dragon's head off. I really keep yeah. saying that because I don't think they're ever going to stop. They will. It doesn't matter how many times you just say, well, I'm not doing this. Or I'm going to turn away. Or we're going to do our own thing that might work for a while. But at the end of the day, we've seen over the history what this empire is willing to do. You know, if you, if you, you know, people that are saying we're going to do our own movement and thing like that. Okay. Tell that to the South. Tell that to the, tell that to the native Americans that the federal government crushed. Tell that to the fucking Hawaiians that the, you know, the government came over here and basically took their land. Anybody that wanted to do their own thing, you're crushed. You know what I mean? Um, and that seems to be the case. And so there's no, I, yeah. I, I even question this whole like, oh, they all want our consent thing. I don't, I, I don't know if that's true at all. I don't think they give a shit about our consent. I think they like getting it. But at the end of the day, if you're in our way, you're in our way. You know, I mean, the sacred profane theology has been known for since time immemorial. There are people that think that they're elite and they're sacred and you're profane. You're fucking cattle. You're nothing. That's clear as day, clear as day. And so that's what we're dealing with. So they don't, they don't give a shit about you. So years ago, years ago, we were figuring out a lot of this stuff and how the system works and, you know, by contract is set and all that. And we, okay, we're doing the right thing. We got you. We figured you out. They still throw you in jail. They still kill you. They still demonize you in the press. And, and you're right. They aren't going to quit. And the only thing I, my only point is I don't believe there's a political solution, but they're not going to back off until we make them back off. 
I don't think there's a political solution right now either. I think the solution is unity of people. You know, I mean, if you're talking about forced vaccination, you know, that sort of stuff, that's going to take people. And honestly, good. Good. That's what it should take. Because fuck these people. Sorry. You know, they've, they've had their chance. I have empathy and sympathy and I have care and compassion. I don't wish, you know, I don't have hatred in my heart, but I am angry. And I personally want justice. A lot of people are just like, oh, I don't really want justice. I do. Well, I think justice is imperative when you have just such mm-hmm. dire evil. But I do think that we can have a break, our own breakaway civilization and then just with, with through economics, flourish and have them. But I, you, you know, what you're talking about is revolution, right? You're talking about whether we have, I guess, peaceful revolution, armed revolution. Uh, required, in history, there always seems to be revolution that causes great change. Um, so the question is, how is this revolution going to play out? Is it going to be like, there's like, you know, are you familiar with the American state assembly, that idea where, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and where you have militias coming together with the state assembly and we basically create our own, we, we go back to how it should be and then literally force the federal government out of business. Um, I say buying Bitcoin is a great act of revolution. Um, and getting involved with alternative systems, forming our own communities, and then coming together. I do think you're right. We all need to come together, say no more, enough's enough. I mean, as my dad says, you just need to shoot the bastards. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it's your time. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm a little bit more like the Buckminster Fuller quote, which we always say every show. It's like, you know, build the new systems and let the old ones fail. But you're, you're right. They, they, they're, they sure are pretty good at not letting them, their systems fail. So, I mean, this is really the conversation a, of our time. I'm in the same generation as your dad, so I say shoot the bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not trying to admonish like building your own thing, too, because that's, I mean, we're trying to do that in yeah. Hawaii here. In fact, to, to, uh, to later today, we're going to meet with a group of people. We're all just trying to, you know, sovereignty with food and just connection and things like that, which is great, you know. Um, and so building your own thing is obviously super important, but you can't just build it and just let that demon continue to eat. You know what I mean? It's just, it, we can't do it anymore. We don't have that luxury. We just don't. And especially with the firepower that that thing has under its control. It's just no, you know, I keep saying too, I don't really think this is a war. I might be completely wrong about this, but I don't really think this is a war of guns and things like that. It's more of a, a war of wizardry, more in the a war of the hearts and minds of people. You know? oh, definitely like, agree. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <clears throat> Yeah, we need to have that William Wallace mentality, right? It's which is going out and taking the freedom back. And I, we are in, we are quote, quote unquote, in the information age now. Uh, the industrial age is over, and so this is we're literally doing these kind of things, and then going out in the physical world. So getting the education going, and then going out in the physical world like you're doing, like what we do with co-ops and and online communities and real world communities i think agriculture plays a massive role in this i think getting kids into farming growing their own food getting more self-resilient and then connecting these people that are into these ideas growing these communities and then saying enough is enough and i guess that we do need activism right we have a lot of friends that are very involved with activism where they're marching on the capitals you know and and doing all that um, it's just, it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot. Uh, and people are frankly are exhausted <laughs> by a lot of it. So yeah, man, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people are exhausted. I'm exhausted. We took this 
break today to come over the other side just because we haven't really stopped in seven months or some shit. Like just been nonstop going, you know. Yeah. So yeah, people are people are tired. And that they're looking to drain us, tire us, you know, wear us down for sure. So yeah, that's that's the name of the game for sure. So Marty, um we'll let you get back to your uh vacation there. And oh, uh, cool. you know, really really appreciate you being with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share about, you know, new projects you have going on or just the best way that people can find you? Um, yeah, actually new projects going on. I'm, um, we're, I, I rewrote the deck. That looks beautiful, baby. Look at you. Um, I rewrote the Declaration of Independence. It's called the Unanimous Redeclaration of We the People. And it's basically 22 grievances that were put, that, you know, I just listed about, you know, control and you know, all that sort of stuff. We just basically just rewrote the Declaration of Independence. So, I've, I'm going to release that as as well as with the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence so you could, and Bill of Rights. You could buy it all as one document. So that's one the next thing that we're sort of working on. Hopefully do it for pretty cheap too. But just a way to get you to see like, hey, it's just essentially the same sort of thing as Declaration of Independence, like a, a mass declaration of our rights, basically saying, look, this is we just have these rights. There's no more infringing upon them. We're going to do this collectively. That's the hope anyway. So that was the one thing. Um, but then also, like, I'm doing a bunch of interviews and um, got a bunch of lectures coming up and stuff like that. Like I always do, MartyLeeds33.com is the best way. So that's, yeah, that's it. So. Fantastic. Yeah, man. And notices of liability, like you were saying, like we have, we do have the ammo at our fingertips to challenge these people are supposed to be working for us. These governors are making these mandates are supposed to be our civil servants, right? So let's call them out more people that can do it. Um, we just did this gathering where Hang the Banksters did an amazing talk and uh, on that. And we have more information on our Telegram guys and on his Telegram to start doing notices of liability and non-consent and all of that and just start sending them this stuff and, and calling them out and, and you know basically putting them on blast uh, and saying enough's enough. And, um, we're going to make you liable for all this stuff you're doing against universal law. And it, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen it working. It, there's a lot of, uh, success stories with this. So, um, let's, uh, yeah. Acknowledge is power in the end. Right. So, yeah. And just don't, don't give up or anything like that. This is, you know, we're, we're definitely in a war and it's like there's been some major battles that have been against humanity right now we're definitely in a war we are in a war psychological warfare right now and but don't uh don't think you've lost you know don't don't ever get to that position because you know what i mean there's a lot of things that can happen moving forward i think there's a lot of things on our side to be honest i really do i was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday real quick you know, they've they, obviously they've done this before in history, but as far as we've seen, they've never done something like this universally, where they literally did a false flag in every single country and every, all the people and they, they've pushed. I mean, they really, really pushed with this one. And that pushing has woken a lot of people up for sure. We've seen it, you know. So don't, I'm saying, I don't want to say lose hope, but don't lose, you know, don't lose hope. You know, keep fighting. And the thing they fear the most is that we're all going to join forces and get together. And these platforms, like what we're doing right now, is exactly that. You know, uh, we're making your acquaintance today, and I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, communicate in the future. But all the kindred spirits are circling the wagons. Yeah. So we're using the same technology to our advantage. And uh, that's well, why they're trying to censor us.
but that's only going to last so long too. So yeah, so, yeah, I mean, good to know you're out. They're going to get exhausted censoring everybody. They're not going to have enough gas yeah. in the tank, dude. Well, we're yeah. seeing it already, like the purge on YouTube right now. How many more people can they erase? And everyone's going to go somewhere else. And now it's decentralized systems, which is what I focus on. On, on. So, I mean, we're Alphavedic. We already positioned ourselves. We already saw what's going. We already positioned ourselves as a company for the future of the world that's already there. So we already are doing it. And we're already taking cryptos. And we're already pushing out information that was seen to be kind of like you shouldn't talk about. But it's, we, we just consider it mainstream. And it's resonating and, and it's working and um, we're doing events when you're not supposed to. And we're, you know, and it's like, who cares? Like we're, we already are. My whole thing is I'm already just in, already know I'm in this new world. Yeah. And so the old world, I laugh, when I see people wearing masks out, I just kind of laugh and smile at them and go, you know, okay, great. You're doing your thing. Like, and if they try to come at me, I just, I just go, you think I'm sick? Like I'll ever be sick and I'm going to make you sick. Look at me, bro. I'm healthy as a fiddle. Like I'm, you're ridiculous. And that having that mentality, instead of going into their down to their level, yeah. then, you know, that's when we lose. So like, I've already like, my whole thing is I'm already there. I'm already there, bro. Like it's so, yeah, I got to get my land pat and that's something I'm working on bear. I'm tapping you on in a status correction, all that. And if uh, guys you're listening and you find this, um, you find this talk uh, to, you know, something that's motivating you to learn more, go to our telegram t.me forward slash alpha Vedic, uh, join Marty's website. He's got great information there doing amazing things. And that's Marty leads 33.com. Correct, Marty. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So please support Marty and all his endeavors. He's crushing it. Maybe bear could go on your show sometime, Marty, and drop some knowledge bombs on bioterrain medicine and biogeometry. Uh, he yeah. really is uh, world-class in that, in that realm. And we've got our online summit coming out. We're working with Josh Del Sol, who did the 5G summit. It's called Reunion Summit. The people that were involved at this event were really on the cutting edge of where we're going from new Germanic medicine to status correction, common law stuff, to the, the, new, the new children that are coming out, that these like amazing souls that uh, Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan is, discusses that's really like just impressive knowledge. So we're putting that out and we're going to continue doing these and it's all about knowledge. So uh, thanks everybody for joining us today. Thanks everybody in, uh, in the uh, D live world for all your, all your contributions. Bane bear uh, you're awesome. Always in there crushing it. And uh, uh, who is this? Cy, uh, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name right. Silosopher. Silosopher. Hey, thanks for the pious. Yes. Thanks so much, you guys. You guys rock. And yeah, interesting that conscience, that's a good one, Bane Bear. Conscience is the science, the, the anti-science. It's the con-science, conscience. I never thought about it that way. Uh, um, anyways, Marty, thanks, brother. Thanks for, having, uh, thanks for uh, joining us today, man. We really love all your work and keep, keep fighting the good fight, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. And definitely, thanks, yeah, come Marty. on the show. We'll have a chat. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do an hour and yeah, get into it. That'd be cool. I appreciate it, so. Cool, be honored. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Marty. Thank you. And thanks, everyone out there. Have a beautiful, blessed day. Get outside, grow something, get your hands dirty, go for a nature walk. Nature really always grounds us and is the best teacher. That's Peace. right. Amen. Peace.